Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo, and I'm the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. Please check out that website and all of my written reviews there, over 3,600 of them. Quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Today I'm going to be looking at Crimson Peak, the latest Guillermo del Toro film. He directs it as well as provides the screenplay, along with uh, writing partner Matthew Robbins. It's an R-rated film for bloody violence, some sexual content, and brief strong language, and it runs one hour and 59 minutes. The cast is Mia Wasikowska, uh, Tom Hiddleston, Jessica Chastain, Jim Beaver, and Charlie Hunnam. The film starts off in Buffalo, New York at the turn of the 20th century. Mia Wasikowska stars as an aspiring writer named Edith Cushing, which probably is a nod to the hammer horror thespian Peter Cushing, no doubt, but Edith is struggling to get publishers to accept her ghost story novel in an era in which female authors are often relegated to the romance genre. Thought to be on a clear trajectory to become a spinster due to her independent spirit, Edith is soon courted by a well-to-do British man named Thomas Sharp. The two eventually marry, and Edith uproots to Thomas's massive but run-down mansion in England that has been built upon a mountain made of red clay, which has caused the bottom floors to seep eerie blood-like ooze. Also living there is Thomas's enigmatic sister, Lady Lucille, who seems to have her tendrils in every corner of that house, including inside her brother's mind and perhaps even his heart. Proverbial skeletons fill the closet at this new locale, but actual ghosts, too, as the promising beginning of a new life for Edith may also come to a quick end, if she doesn't keep her wits about her. If Guillermo del Toro, really a a B-movie storyteller at heart, is going to continue to play the role of an A-list director, I believe that he'd do himself and his audience a service by allowing someone with much more scripting talent to take his story ideas and put them to paper. As a story, Crimson Peak is really a mishmash of tropes that you'll find in other notable classic romance and gothic horror works, as well as Hitchcock's Best Picture winner of 1940, Rebecca, to name but one of many influences. And that does tend to make it a frustrating experience to follow, given that the protagonist here seems absolutely clueless uh, as a heroine, and she's given clues served to her on a proverbial silver platter throughout, and yet she pays really no attention to it. Now, I'm no expert at, uh, you know, how you feel about, or how anybody would typically feel when a ghost comes out to give you a warning, but I have a feeling that if your dead mother comes to haunt you as a ghost, and her only admonition to you is beware of Crimson Peak, and you marry and move in with a man whose mansion resides on a mountain of red clay... You're probably not so bright that you'd make for a particularly ingenious author. Now, I would say, as a viewer, because of all of these tells that you see at the beginning of the film, if you're going to be enthralled at all by Crimson Peak, you have to get used to being ahead of the game. As there are probably very few in the viewing audience who will be surprised at the revelations of the nature of the relationship between siblings Thomas and Lucille that's telegraphed almost from the introduction. And that's not the only thing that's telegraphed. 
Only someone asleep through the middle of the film will likely be surprised at the big reveal of the culprit of a murderer that is uh, a murder that we see shot, uh, filmed with some ambiguity. And you probably won't be surprised in which particular item of food or drink may or may not be tainted with poison at any given time and who might be instigating it. And while you're busy projecting the film's outcome, Del Toro is also busy hammering home his themes with the subtlety of a sledgehammer, stating quite early in the film that Edith's book, like Del Toro's movie, is not a ghost story, but a story with ghosts in it, and that those ghosts are metaphors for the past. Something that should be pretty obvious for anybody who actually knows about basic narrative and storytelling, as well as what ghosts usually represent in books and in films. I guess your frustration at the lack of the film scares will have to be resolved by knowing that Crimson Peak isn't intended to be a horror film, even with horrific supernatural elements and brutal violence as narrative devices within it. And those sparser-than-you'd-think eerie moments actually represent the best the film has to offer from a story standpoint. Crimson Peak will probably garner some interest among those who are largely entertained by very colorful and very vivid set and costume designs. No doubt they're inspired by, um, among other things, Italian giallo films, as much more emphasis seems to have gone to getting the look of the story right, if not the the plot or the dialogue. Obviously, Mario Bava plays a very significant role in how this film is shot. And so what's the excuse for the dozen or so times in which the dubbing is off in this film? It's been a long time since I've actually seen a film in which I can tell that the characters aren't saying the words that we're hearing, even in one instance, but Crimson Peak's instances are so obvious that... I can only think that they must have been intentional, perhaps a throwback in style to those old Italian chillers who had at least the excuse of being overdubbed into English out of their native language in Italian for reasons why the lips don't match the words, but what's the excuse here? Though the runtime of Crimson Peak is at a comfortable two hours, I'd say that given that Del Toro is offering about 90% style and about 10% substance, that runtime feels much longer than it needs to be to tell this same story well. Just as with his equally divisive Pacific Rim, a film that uh, I am actually one of its fervent supporters. I enjoyed Pacific Rim, although a lot of people think it's a big pile of bunk. Uh, you know, some people were mystified by me thinking that it was good. And it looks like I'm on the other side of the equation with Crimson Peak because I'm at a loss to explain why some critics and some standard viewers seem to adore it. There are there are fans of this film and they love it. And yet I I struggle throughout as a filmmaking exercise in capturing the essence of kitschy gothic stories. I think it's brilliant in its own way. I'll give it that. But as a standalone film. Crimson Peak is paltry goods, completely vacant, devoid of its allusions to more earnest films that are probably long forgotten except by film buffs like Del Toro and a smattering of other staunch advocates of old school chills. You know, it, remove all of the homage and what do you have left? A story that's really not that great. Now, despite its weak story and plot elements, some viewers may still come away liking Crimson Peak because of those gorgeous visual designs and its attractive and talented cast, though I would say the lack of true sparks that 
occur between gorgeous actors like Mia Wasikowska and Tom Hiddleston, that's a significant liability if you're actually going to be marketing your film. Well, maybe the, the film is marketed as a horror film, but at its heart, it's supposed to be a gothic romance. And yet, with the lack of sparks between Wasikowska and Hiddleston, that's a significant liability for your film. You don't have a film if you don't feel that. And in terms of the acting performances, they're pretty hammy, I have to say. I mean, your neighborhood deli probably doesn't have as much ham as the as the uh, over-emotive way that the actors are used here. Now, you could argue that that's intentional because this is, after all, an homage to those old films from the 50s and 60s. And those films were definitely uh, quite emotive in terms of the performances. But, uh, you know, I, in this day and age, it just it just feels like uh, something that doesn't... It's just incongruous with the kind of storytelling that I think makes for something fascinating today. If I want to actually watch those kind of films, I don't necessarily need a regurgitation of it. I would actually go back and watch those films. Now, Crimson Peak casts a pretty picture, no doubt. But in this film, I think everyone's dressed up. I won't say with no place to go, but I think that if there is a place to go, the only place is uh, probably too familiar to evoke either genuine surprises or frights. And so, as for me, for as breathtaking as this feast for the eyes sometimes is, I did struggle mightily to stay interested in the goings-on within Crimson Peak as a story. Not caring a lick for these characters, not didn't care about their story, uh, and I didn't even care about the reasons behind these gruesome apparitions that appear at seemingly random moments. All of them are CGI and completely fake-looking, and you know, they just kind of take me out of the story from time to time. But at the same time, I'm not really in the story. So uh, it, it's just, I'm just at a quandary as to what to make of it. Now, for a film whose story surrounds the attempt to jumpstart a floundering mining operation, perhaps it's somewhat ironic that Crimson Peak puts so much of its stock in its surface pleasures. It just doesn't dig deep into giving you the kind of film making that you probably should expect from somebody with as much talented and as big a name as Guillermo del Toro really is. You know, his early horror works, The Devil's Backbone and, and even even Pan's Labyrinth, just really were rich with interesting subject matter and, and really good uh, quality uh, chills. And yet, so, there's something just so flaccid about Crimson Peak and the way that it plays out. So... I know that this film does have its champions, and I know that there's probably somebody listening to this right now who is one of them. So I would say, you know, rather than just get mad at my review, um, if you have it within you to actually write something that's somewhat articulate, I'm not looking for, you know, I'm not going to here to here to challenge you. I actually want to be, uh, I want somebody to explain what it is about this film that makes it something special to you. You can write to me. Uh, you can find uh, my my email address at my website quipster.net and i hopefully some of you some, at least one of you will take me up on my uh on my request to actually uh let me know what it is that you think is makes crimson peak one of the best films in uh guillermo del toro's career and perhaps even one of the best films of 2015 because i just didn't see it on the screen as much as I love Del Toro, and I, I pretty much like almost all of his works, I mean, you know, I mean, 
granted, Blade 2, probably the best of the Blade movies, I still wasn't a great fan of. Mimic, you know, you kind of give Del Toro some uh, slack here because those are not properties that he really developed. You know, these were these were properties that were going to be made for one reason or another in Hollywood. And, you know, it took some time for him to really find his footing. But uh, yet, I, I really like his movies generally. I mean, I, lo- I like the Hellboy movies and I liked Pacific Rim and I, I, I like some of his early horror movies and I even like a lot of the films that he produces. And yet, Crimson Peak, for as much effort that he obviously put into it, I really don't feel that, uh, that I, it had a lot for me to get out of it. So, I was pretty disappointed, unfortunately, with Crimson Peak. So I'm gonna give Crimson Peak Two and a half stars, and two and a half stars on my scale means it is a mediocre film. A movie that had all of the elements to really deliver a good movie, but yet they just didn't come together in any kind of satisfactory way to make it worthwhile, unfortunately. I hope that you enjoyed the review, even if you disagreed with me. And if you like the reviews and you want to hear more of my takes, please click the subscribe button. And if you happen to be on iTunes, please leave a review. I would definitely love it if you did that. And if you want to check out my website, I deliver reviews all of the time uh, at my website. And you can go back all the way almost 20 years and find all of my reviews there. Quipster.net. That's Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. So until next time, thank you everyone for listening and enjoy your time at the movies.